Welcome to So What's The Problem, in which we rewatch movies from our youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Commando, which was released in the US on October 4th, 1985, and the UK February 21st, 1986, and Ireland on March 28th, 1986. It was written by Stephen E. D'Souza and directed by Mark L. Lester. It stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, Ray Don Chong... Alyssa Milano, Vernon Wells, David Patrick Kelly, Bill Duke, and the great Dan Hadea. What's going to happen is this. Jen and I have thought of three problems that this movie has, three each, and we also thought of a positive, and we'll just have a little discussion about it. So, Jen, was this your first time watching this movie? Yes. Yes. We've determined that before, that you didn't watch a lot of action movies. No. Back in the day. Well, my history with it is I watched it a lot growing up. Uh, VHS, TV recordings, uh, just watched it all the time, loved it, and it annoyed me when it came out in DVD and I discovered that the DVD was edited, because we got the printing that came from Germany and Germany's version was edited, and our version was already edited um, in the cinema, and then... Uh, we got a further edited version in the DVD, so I never bought the DVD. But it is blue and it's fully uncut, and we've got the director's cut, which has more violence. Yay! Because, <coughs> because the movie was edited by the MPAA as well. So now the director's cut is the full version. I feel like I'm cheating a little bit, because it's not the director's cut that we watched isn't the version I saw as a kid. But I think it's alright. I think we can get away with that. So, Jen, what did you think of Commando? I actually liked it. It's silly, isn't it? It's just silly fun. Yeah, I didn't... I think. It wasn't what I expected. Like, judging from, like, the posters and stuff... I don't know. I just pictured him, like, in a forest or some shit, like, fighting, like, yeah. more of a, like, kind of warish thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I was... When it opens up and it's in the suburbs i was like what are we doing here yeah it's sort of good i mean the poster does the poster doesn't give anything away mm-hmm. um but also there is a couple of instances where the movie kind of swerves a little bit mm-hmm. that you think it's going to be something and it isn't because i wouldn't blame you if you thought that the movie was going to be him going to valverde to kill this guy or to get away out of killing the guy and then get back to his daughter. Yeah. But it's not that at all. He just doesn't go. <laughs> He's like, fuck it, no, nope, save my daughter. But it seems like it could have been that movie, you know? Well, and I was excited to see uh, Alyssa Milano, and it just shows how much I watched Who's the Boss, that without like even thinking about what year Who's the Boss uh, started, I could tell at what point in that show she filmed this because of her hair. Right. I was like, oh, this is between the first and second seasons. And I was totally right. That, see, that's that's scary, Jen. <laughs> well, I wanted to be like her. So right, I remember okay. her hair very much because she was like a tomboy. And then she comes back in the next season and she's more like how she is in this movie. Like look, dressed more like stylish, girly, like trendy. Well, she's wearing dungarees, still pretty tomboyish. But it's, but it's what she's wearing still looks pretty trendy for the time. Fair enough. Right, so let us just get into the problems. And my first problem is, what is the point of Bennett pretending to die? I want to know whose benefit that was for, exactly. His Matrix find out, finds out he died, and then he turns up in front of him about ten minutes later, in real time. 
He could have went after Matrix without that ruse. Yeah, I don't know. So that made that that, that was something I didn't think about as a kid, but now I'm like, yeah, that's a bit. <laughs> so what's your first problem? This is small. Um, the first scene where the you know the guy goes to put out the trash and everything. When yeah. he and the woman he's with wake up, she yeah. has a full-ass face of makeup. And I know that this isn't unusual for movies and TV, but usually they put makeup on that at least looks like a little more natural. This yeah. woman woke up like she was done up for the night. And it really yeah. pissed me off. Because <laughs> even if she went to bed with that makeup, she would not wake up with it looking like that. No, that's true. And, that would be smeared. And I'm usually not distracted by stuff like that, so I know it was bad if I really noticed it. Yeah, and also, if that guy had just remembered what day it was and um, stuck to his guns and it wasn't pick-up trash day, mm-hmm. then he would have still been alive. Well, maybe. They might have stormed the house and killed him, but... Um, yeah, that was an elaborate plan to kill someone. Yeah. And you're, uh, you're more noticed because people can hear a garbage truck. And if it's not garbage day, then... More people are going to go to the door. They're going to notice. Yeah. Yeah. There would be not, it wouldn't just be him that was getting up and running yeah. to empty these bins. Yeah. Well, they would also notice because of the, the loud gunfire, I guess. Yeah, true. True. And they were wearing masks. No, the guy took uh, his mask down... So he did, yeah. Right before he killed him. And I'm like, what was what was the point? Yeah. I think he just wanted him to see who was killing him. I think he wanted the audience to see who was killing him. Yeah. <laughs> but then we see him in the very next scene anyway. I mean, we see him killing the other guy uh, with the car. Which, in movie terms, that's actually survivable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, he died. Uh, yeah. And then the one after that is Vernon Wells. And it's like, what's the point in that? There's no point, but hey-ho. Um, yeah, so my second problem is Matrix what you would call a Mary Sue, or at least without, the, without having um, been a, you know, a version of the writer, is he written as someone who is indestructible and can do absolutely everything? Yeah, kind of. Because... Apart from the fact that he can't fly a plane, but that's because we need Cindy in the plot somewhere. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Yeah. So I think he is written to be, like, the ultimate hero. And he takes very little damage. He gets, like, stabbed in the side or something. He gets Mm -hmm. cut in the side, and that's about it. And he just sort of shrugs it off. Yeah, it's to have that many people shoot at you and not get shot. Yeah. Like the kill count, the body count was a hundred and nine, and he shot, he killed a hundred and two of them. Yeah, that's a lot. Exactly, that's a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. It's a very violent film. Scratched. It is a very violent film. It is. Yeah. Um, and that's why I love it. <laughs> the violence isn't necessary. Uh, it's mostly just. That the scene in the shed when he's hiding in the shed, mm-hmm. and he just like destroys men with um, blades and cuts off a dude's arm uh, and stuff like that, and it's like that is really violent. But there isn't much blood throughout, apart from maybe Bill Duke's death. Mm-hmm. But for all the people who get shot, there's not many like blood scribs or anything. 
Um, there's one in the mall. By the way, how many how many officers, security guards are in that mall? A lot. Yes, all of them. They all turned up that day. I will say, like, the Galleria is a pretty big mall, and this is at the height of, like, the popularity of malls. Mm-hmm. So it's at least a little more believable. Hmm. Like, it's a big enough mall that I know the name of it without being told. Yeah. Well, is that not the one that's also a Terminator 2? Yes. And I think they also filmed Fast Times there. Oh, right. I think they filmed quite a lot there. And yeah. the first time I heard of it was in Clueless. All right. Um, so what is your second problem? Uh, why the hell would Cindy get back in the car and why would he let her? Yeah, exactly. Like, the fact that she's there is ridiculous. Absolutely. I've written that down, but not as a problem, but yeah. I like that she's there. I mean, like, if anything, this is an 80s movie and your female lead is a black woman, so Mm -hmm. uh, that's refreshing, Um, especially since, uh, also strange for the 80s, there are no uh, racist lines. Um, No. And, you know, I didn't mind that, and but, like... It just doesn't make sense why she would get back in the car and why he would stop and let her and why she would at this point have no problem help. Like, I don't care if his daughter's missing. Like, it is ridiculous that she would get involved. Yeah. Um, at, and at all levels of it, that's just crazy. And I was really relieved when I was reading the trivia to see that they uh, cut out a, a love scene because yeah. this movie, like many movies, doesn't need a love scene. And I love the fact that it said it was unconvincing. Because uh, I think it would have been. And I think a lot of gratuitous love scenes are unconvincing. Yeah. Absolutely. So I just... Yeah, that wouldn't have been needed. I just didn't understand why she was... Th- like, I didn't understand why when he started following the guy, why he had her stay in the car. Like, when he ripped out the seat, I thought maybe he was going to duck so he couldn't be seen. But he can so yeah. clearly be seen. I know. He's a big man. Yeah. He's a small car. Yeah, and I just it that the I feel like they could have come up with some better reason why she was there. Yeah, it makes zero sense. Um, I noticed that this time round as well. It's like why why go in the car? Because she then proceeds to ask him what's happening. Are you going to tell him what's going on? And he says no. But he already has. Mm-hmm. He already says what's happening with the daughter. Yeah. It's like why wouldn't you just stay there? And, you know, at least be safe, because the two guys who could hurt you are now gone. But, you know, maybe she just fell for these muscles. Maybe, but I can't, I wouldn't even think of that because I think the muscles are gross. Yeah, exactly. They are gross. Although I will say, like, because I don't like huge muscles like that. The fact that, like, you know, we've been watching all these Arnold Schwarzenegger movies and stuff and, like, Mm -hmm. he becomes more human to me. So I don't, like, they seem more normal to me. Um, like, they seem less gross to me because he's an actual person to me. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, he is... At the beginning of this, he is like a dad. Yeah, and I read that he loved it. He loved that he got to just be a guy at the beginning. Yeah. And he got to play a dad, and apparently, in real life, he was very protective of Alyssa Milano. Mm-hmm. Helped her with her algebra homework. Exactly. I like that, because. but then he just becomes an unstoppable killing machine. Mm-hmm. He just becomes the 80s action hero trope after that. I do kind of wish that Alyssa Milano had gotten any sort of like kick-ass moments, because you'd like to think that a guy like him was like training her to be a badass. 
Yeah, and we, we see that in the montage at the start that he's teaching her. Yeah, and, and that's why I thought she might get to do something because that that would have been really awesome. Like, I love a, a kick-ass teen girl. Yeah. Um, you say there, were, there weren't any racist lines, and there was a line that was actually taken out. Um, when Cindy fires the, the rocket launcher, or whatever it mm-hmm. is, um, Matrix asks her where he le- when she learned to use it, and she says she read instructions, right? Right. But the original the original line was she said she learned it in high school. <laughs> so, <laughs> I but is that racist or is it just funny? Well, it's I'm assuming it means because she's black and she was in an urban high school. But it's still a ridiculous statement for even that because like why the only way that you would learn how to use a rocket launcher in high school is if you are Buffy and you are going up against the judge. Yeah, or you're in an eighties action movie or an eighties, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, I've seen more. I've seen more of them than you have, Jen. I've seen the principal. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know, but that line about the instruction manual is really good. Shows that she's smart. You can see it in the shopping cart too. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I have to ask you this: uh, Matrix says that he wasn't there for his daughter throughout her life, and he mentions grammar school. Mm-hmm. Um, what's grammar school in America? Elementary school. Right. No one calls See, it. It's high school. No one calls it that anymore. Yeah, but that's what they called it back in the day. Kind of like um, middle school. What we call middle school now, people used to say junior high, and right. but junior high was like seventh through ninth grades, and at some point it switched to sixth through eighth, and that's when it became right. middle school. Although now there are some junior highs again. I don't know. It's very confusing. But grammar school is elementary school. Right. That's weird because from here we have. We have nursery for the little kids, and then from five up to say eleven, we have primary, mm-hmm. and then from eleven to eighteen, it's high school. Um, so we only really have. If you don't go to nursery, which I didn't, you only really go to um, two schools. My high school was a grammar, still is, but yeah, that's why I asked because it's like, well, she's clearly not old enough to be in a grammar yet. So yeah, yeah she looks amazing. like middle school age. Yeah. Um yeah, they take they take the like middle school is basically probably around 11 to like 14. And yeah. it's basically you take the worst years of a child's life and just put them all together in the same place there. Yeah. So quick question, why why did the cops assume Cindy's a hooker? Uh cuz they're racist. <laughs> Is it because she's black or because just the way she's looking because she's all, like, ruffled up? And... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway. So, uh, it's time for my third problem, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't think Dan Hedaya is playing a white man. No, no. Dan Hedaya's got brown face, people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I said there wasn't, there weren't racist lines, but there's that. Mm, yeah. That's a genuine problem in this movie. We found one. Uh, yeah, he's in he's in brown face and he's got the accent, and it's quite not right. Um, <laughs> do you know what my favorite Dan Hedaya movie is? No, you don't even want to guess. I can't even think of another Dan Hedaya movie to be honest. Well, first of all, he was in Clueless, but that's not my favorite movie of his. It's uh, oh, so he was Dick. All right. He played he, he well. played Nixon in that movie. 
Oh, nice. And I rewatched it last year. I mean, we're going to have to do it for the podcast at some point. I rewatched it last year and it holds up. Right. That is an underrated movie. Is, but does Dick not fall out of our purview or is it 90s? No, it, it's like 98, I think. Oh, right, okay. 98 or 99. Yeah, I saw it in high school. So what? Uh, uh, yeah, brown face. That's, let's not do that. See, if they were going to go to Valverde, I imagine they probably would have had more of that. Mm-hmm. If he actually went on his flight uh, and didn't jump off like a maniac, and um, which is quite impressive stunt, by the way, because um, when he's climbing out of the plane and he's on the leg of the plane, that's like an actual leg of a plane, but it's on a, like a, a crane. Mm-hmm. And Arnold Schwarzenegger's actually riding on that thing. Then when Matrix jumps, it's a mixture of a dummy, then animation, and then a stuntman. Because the dummy would always fall, because of the, the gust of the, the the propellers in the plane, it would always go towards that, the dummy. It would just always fly that way. And so when you first see him jump, that's a dummy. And then there's a shot of him falling, that's animation. And then, obviously, when it hits the ground, it's a... Uh, it, the water, sorry. It's a stuntman. Uh, so I quite like the ingenuity of that. Uh, of the 80s. Now it would all just be CG. It would be CG stuntmen all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, movies like this just make me miss practical effects. The stunts and stuff. I know we still get stunts, but a lot of them are, like, helped along by CG more. And back then, back in like the 80s, it was just like, fuck it, let's just throw this guy out of this building or something, you know? Yeah. Occasionally we get practical effects. Like, I mean, I know the Marvel movies are always going to have a ton of CGI, but yeah. uh, my understanding is in The Eternals, she tried to use practical effects when she could. And I appreciate that. And they did the same thing with the new Star Wars movies, um, which was appreciated because one of the reasons that episodes one through three are so bad is that they don't fit with the others because it's like all computers. They look so fake. Like it doesn't look like the rest of them. The new ones no. look way more like the originals because they were using like practical effects, like just the mo- the simplest stuff. But then George Lucas tried to fix that by going back and adding more CG to the originals to try and make them look like the prequels. Didn't he do that and- before the prequels? I know, but, well, just before, I think he was, like, making the prequels. Oh, okay. Um, I think um, episode four, well, sorry, let's just call it what it's called, Star Wars, um, was released, the the remastered version of whatever was released, like, a couple of years before, so he he was planning on them anyway. Yeah. So, what's your final problem? Okay, so when they're in the plane... Yeah. Like, this is a great time for her to shine, to be flying the plane, and every time she's having trouble with something on the plane, he does it. He fixes it. Yeah. I don't like that. Like you said, he doesn't know how to fly, but he still is the one that, like, kind of saves the day with the plane because he figures out what to do to, you know, get it started and to to get them higher up in the air. And that pisses me off. Like, there's a moment there for her to just be... For her to shine and be, like, and have the skill he doesn't have. Yeah. I mean, at least they don't... 
have her running along beside them while he's massacring all those people. Yeah, I just don't like that, you know, it was the one moment that she should have gotten and that it's still the man has to has to take care of it. No, that's absolutely correct. That that goes with what my problem was with him being a Mary Sue. Mm-hmm. It's like he knows how to do everything. And I imagine if he tried to fly a plane, he would be able to fly a plane. Yeah. But they just needed her to be there for the plot purposes. Well, not really, because she doesn't do anything, like you say. They really didn't need her, but it's somebody... It, I don't know, it would be less interesting if he was doing everything by himself. Like, if we spent the whole movie watching just him. Like, she's yeah. someone he can interact with. If it wasn't her, it would have been a comedy sidekick. Yeah. Who dies in the plane crashes. That was a big thing in the 80s, was, like, comedic, you know, teams of, like, buddy cops or whatever. And so to have yeah. this, like, random woman, um, and that she's not like a busty blonde or something like is yeah. pretty typical in the 80s like it, it it was such a different element yeah and i i appreciated that well the director said in his commentary that she wasn't the first choice but all the other choices didn't want to work with arnold because he wasn't like a major star mm. back when they were filming um and they didn't want to act opposite the terminator guy but she was game and he was like, well, she's perfect for it, so why not? How many of those women do you think regretted it after that? A lot, probably. And how many of those women would have been white? Probably all of them. Probably all of them, yeah. It, it, so the director didn't even care, you know? It reminds me of when um, actresses were auditioning with Seth Rogen for Knocked Up, mm-hmm. and he was not known at the time. Yeah. And... Catherine Heigl, one of the reasons she got the job is because she was the only one who didn't treat him like a ball of crap. Like, most people didn't even realize he was the star. They just thought he was somebody reading with them. Right. And he got, like, no respect from those women. Um, But Catherine Heigl treated him well, which I love that story because we hear so many bad stories about her. Yeah. But she got the job because she didn't act like she was too good for Seth Rogen. Yeah. So that's good, but then it didn't go on when they were filming anyway. Apparently, so I think it went. I think it went well. Like she said, they had fun. She just had problems yeah. with the character. And what right, what so no one know. talks about is at first Anne Hathaway was cast in it. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, she. But then she found out there was going to be like a full shot of the vagina, like with the baby coming out. And right. even if it wasn't hers, uh, yeah, she did not like that and so she dropped out is there a full shot with virginia with the baby there is right i've never seen that movie you haven't no oh it's good you don't mean you don't mean modern comedy movies i don't like them not even judd apatow not really oh i love judd apatow i think his movies are far too long they I are think comedy movies don't have to be two hours 15 oh, minutes long he's like cameron crow his movies are just a little too long but i still enjoy them yeah no that's fair enough that's good I mean, there have been modern comedy movies I have enjoyed, but they're mostly like Edgar Wright movies. So, yeah. Um, but I can't really think. There's bound to, I don't actually know if there's any I've liked. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of modern American comedy movies. It's it's just all the same thing. It's just all improvisation. I don't think they're all the same thing. I think they are. 
But you don't watch them, so how would you know? Of the ones I have watched, I haven't seen Bridesmaids. And I've been told my mum likes Bridesmaids. So if my mum likes it, then I think I should watch it. Yeah, Paul Feig comedies are great. Um, I like Judd Apatow, although, you know, if you're not into the improvisation and stuff, you know, maybe it's not for you. And then there are things like Game Night. Um, That's one I did like. And then... I, I enjoyed Game Night. God, what was the one where the guys are playing tag? I guess it's just called Tag, maybe? Tag, yeah. Yeah, that one was fun. Like, that and... I haven't seen that, but I, I was going to watch it because Jeremy Renner's in it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. Um, well, now I like Hawkeye. Now he's no longer boring and dull. I like Hawkeye. Uh, you're talking about the show? Like, did you watch um, him on the show? No, just in general. Okay. Like, see, since, um, I mean, since he, was it, Endgame, where you discover he's been out killing a lot yeah. of people. Well, it's like, yeah, he's no longer dull and boring. He's definitely not yeah. dull and boring in the show. He gets to be oh, funny and stuff, which is it, awesome. Yeah. It's good. The show's good. Yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Two episodes in, mm-hmm. obviously. That's all it's been released so far. And it's, yeah, it's good. And I don't know why, but the Christmassy vibe is just sort of also, like, doing it for me. Yeah, I really like it. <laughs> but I think Tag and Game Night are, like, a really good double feature. Yeah, I like Game Night. I, I did like Game Night. I decided to watch that one night, and I enjoyed it. So I thought more like Game Night. There are some good comedies, but I think that the ones that get the most attention are things like the Judd Apatow movies. Yeah, because I do. I mean, I'm like I'm because I'm an action guy. I do kind of like actiony comedies, and Game Night just sort of did that. It was sort of it was action light, but it was still you know ridiculous enough for me to enjoy it. That's why I like movies like this. Yeah, well, I like (laughs) ridiculous, but. Yeah. I'm I'm sick of Mission Impossibles, and I wish that Tom Cruise would do more stuff like uh, Night and Day. Night and Day right. was an action comedy, and I like it when he gets to be funny. Um, yeah, I love the Mission Impossible movie. I, I love the new ones. I like them. He does good action movies. Like, I it's not yeah. that I don't enjoy them, but I miss him doing like dramas and comedies and stuff. Like, right. I like a good non-actiony Tom Cruise movie, and the guy's obviously like crazy. Like, he's a dick. Um, I feel like yeah. I always have to say that ever since a friend pointed out if Katie Holmes had to go through all that trouble to leave him because it was like mm-hmm. a complicated plan, then he must not be that great. Um, yeah. But as an actor, he's one of my very favorite actors. See, that's the thing, though, is it? We, I mean, we let a lot of people away with things, don't we, mm-hmm. these days? Talk about cancel culture and everything. And it's like Tom Cruise has never been canceled. Mm-hmm. But if someone says something that's a little bit racist, then they're cancelled forever. Well... Unless you're Mel Gibson. First of all, they're not cancelled forever because, like, like think about... Not that it's racist, but think about, like, Dave Chappelle. He's still selling out shows. Like, Louis C.K. still does... I mean, he had... Louis C.K. had to go more right-wing. But he's still... These people don't... Most of them don't actually get cancelled. It's... Yeah, but they just whine and... It's just people don't watch their stuff as much. And, like, Tom Cruise, there's a decent amount of people who... Will refuse to watch his stuff now, but part of the reason he hasn't been like really canceled the way that you know we talk about it is that most people don't actually know how bad Scientology is. That like they basically like the way they treat the lower level people, and they basically have like slave labor going on at the lower levels. Yeah. Um, they're actually really bad. They're more than just like a kooky religion or whatever. They're actually there are bad things that happen there. Um, although I read, uh, Leah Remini's book and 
it's clear and 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 I've and I've done a lot of research about Scientology and they keep a lot of stuff from the celebrities like they tell the celebrities you know they tell their members not to like google things and they convince them that it's all lies the things that people say so I don't know how much they even know about the lower level stuff since they are so high level like L- Leah Remini started at a low level but yeah. I seriously doubt Tom Cruise started at a low level no. And they've been brainwashed to not believe anything they hear. So it's it is bad and I do think that you're not a great person if you're a Scientologist. But I also don't know how complicit they are. Yeah. In the worst parts. Yeah. But Tom Cruise is still a major global superstar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um and good for Katie uh, Holmes for getting away. Yeah, I think that it's, I think it's different when, say, like Kevin Spacey still cancelled. Yeah, he's he's. I think he's permanently cancelled. He has to get work in Europe. He, he Franco Nero has to give him work, um, because Franco Nero is European, doesn't give a fuck. He has to, you know, he has to get work from people like that, uh, in different countries, whereas. He, I don't think Kevin Spacey's ever going to work in the US again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's right. There's someone, there's another person that I thought had been cancelled, but he might be making a comeback. Who? Um, Matthew Fox. All right, okay. He hasn't been in anything since, I think, 2012. Yeah, the Alex Cross movie, was it not? Yeah, like, not even the smallest credit at all in all that time, but I think he just got a TV show. Right, And so I'm interested to see how he does when he comes back, because I do wonder how that works, like, with the people who just disappear completely and then come back, because that rarely happens. But then you have somebody like Aziz Ansari, who, I'm sorry, he just said, that story just sounded like he was a bad date. It didn't sound like he did anything, like, worth canceling. Yeah. But it's like, he, you know, had some bad press. He He had a bad article written about him. He disappeared for a while and then just came back with his show and the show concentrated on a different character than him. And Mm. he was there, but he was, you know, like not even a secondary character, like a third, third or fourth kind of character. And I think that his transition back has been very smooth. Right. Well, Matthew Fox, what was the deal with Matthew Fox again? He's He's a dick, but... He had gotten really drunk and punched a female bus driver. Right. And then it came out like um, Dominic Monaghan from uh, Lost said that he knows that Matthew Fox beats women and that that's something that like was known and that like I think maybe he'd even seen happen. Right. And at that point, because that's a guy and he was like, I don't even care if if I get canceled for this. He was like, I don't care if this hurts my career. I'm saying it. Yeah. And he it's so funny because, I, you know, so many people defend um, actors and will say others are lying, but it's like no one seemed to disbelieve him. Yeah. Which was interesting. I don't think um, many people would defend Matthew Fox. No, but he's also like, I mean, he was a TV star. Like he usually had, you know, I mean, he was the lead in two different TV shows, but he wasn't like a household. Like he wasn't somebody that was beloved. No. So I think it was easier to cancel him. But most of the people who are supposedly canceled, it's really just that there are consequences to their actions. Mm-hmm. And maybe their career isn't as amazing as it was before, but it 
It doesn't go away. Although I'd like to see what happens with James Franco, because I haven't seen James Franco in a while. I think also the Matthew Fox disappearing for years thing is also a lot to do with ego. Because he had always maintained that he was never supposed to be a TV star. Mm -hmm. He said after Lost he was never ever going to do another TV show. And he was only going to concentrate on doing movies because that's what he should be doing, basically. And when Alex Cross failed, he, he along with the, the news of him punching that lady, bus driver, I think he just sort of disappeared, just sort of sulked away. Mm-hmm. So he probably could have reappeared sooner, but now he's got a TV show. And yeah. it's like, yeah, yeah, up yours. Fucking dick. Man, when when big shows like that end or big franchises like um, Harry Potter, there's so many actors who say, like um, Emma Watson said she was quitting acting, um, and then she didn't, and like Evangeline Lilly said the same thing after Lost, um, or they, you know, they say they're going to go to the movies. But what I love is I cannot remember his name, but the guy who played Sawyer on Lost. Yeah, he he did it best because when he was asked what he was going to do next, he said. I'm going to try movies for about five years, and if nothing happens there, if I can't find success there, I'm going back to TV. And that is exactly what he did. And I'm yeah. like, that is a smart plan. Mm-hmm. That's very smart. You never hear actors say something like that. Like, that was a guy who was just like, I want to do movies, but I understand that's not easy. Yeah, Josh Holloway. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. No, he's um, he's great, Josh Holloway. Uh, he seems very sort of, uh, yeah, humble. Yeah, that was like a really like hearing him say that. It made him seem really grounded. Yeah, because he did he did a TV show for three seasons. He did Colony. Yeah, um, yeah. So and now he's he was in Yellowstone, Kim Costner for a season, and I don't know what else he's doing. But he's you know he, he's more of a guest star these days or a recurring. But yeah, he deserves to have his own show again. He's good. I like Josh Holloway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, how, how did we get on all this? It's pad timeout. <laughs> women, women not wanting to work with Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, but that was different. That's because he wasn't a star. It wasn't because uh, of anything they'd heard of him or anything. It's because of stuff they hadn't heard. <laughs> yeah, they hadn't heard that you know he was going to be a major superstar, and they probably kicked themselves. Um. So, well, right, my positive, right. Mm-hmm. Um, as the score, uh, it takes a lot from James Horner's previous score for Forty Eight Hours, but I like this one better because I really like the steel drums. I don't know why, I just love the steel drums. Uh, and since that is one of my go-to uh, positives, I'll also say the stunts. I love the stunt work. So, what's your positive? I mean, I feel like I've already said it, but the idea of you know having a black woman be the sidekick instead of like a man or a busty blonde or something. It's, it's just, it's refreshing. And I, I liked her and I just thought her presence was, it was something very different. And I mean, that's something, you know, I talk about a lot on this podcast is like how surprised I am when I watch some of these eighties movies for the first time and they do anything different. Yeah. Yeah. It's good when you watch something from the eighties and you've already got this idea in your mind what of an eighties, what an eighties movie should be. Mm-hmm. And then they turn it on their head, um, turn it on its head. And it's like, yeah, I did not expect, um, a, a, a black female lead in this movie. 
me having seen this movie since the eighties and watching it since then, it it doesn't affect me whatsoever because it's what I've always known that she's in this movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that it can still that movies like this can still surprise you. Uh, still surprise someone in the year 2021 that a movie from 1985 can do that. So before we go, I've got a few notes, as always. Um, in the commentary, the director only refers to Alyssa Milano as Alyssa Milano. He calls her by her full name the entire time. Hmm. Uh, I think he just likes saying Alyssa Milano. It's it's actually pretty delightful to say Alyssa Milano. Um, it's very satisfying. It really is. That's probably why he did it. Um, this is really the start of Arnold's one-liners in movies. Mm-hmm. And the director says it was because he wanted to emulate Bond movies. Yeah, and I said earlier on about the, the movie sort of subverting tropes a little bit of what you'd expect in a an 80s movie. And I, I said one about the, you know, him not travelling to Balverde and doing all that. Uh, but the other one was uh, the guy sitting in the chair at the beginning when um, he goes into the room and there's this guy sitting in the chair with a card that uh, Dutch's daughter wrote or whatever made and he's giving demands and everything and you think that maybe he's going to be a big player or something and mm-hmm. now he's just shot in the head right away. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you expect the way that he's putting across this performance like he's going to be the one who's given demands and stuff, but no, shot right away. I like that. Um, there's a shot where we see Dutch's watch, and it's making a really loud beeping noise, and it shouldn't be. Um, that all, it's always annoyed me, because it doesn't make the noise when you see the shot of him looking at it, but when you see the close-up shot of the actual watch, it's gone beep, beep. Makes no sense. Um, yeah, why does Cindy jump back in the car or that? Uh <coughs> There's a lot of mistakes in this movie, and the most famous one is the self-fixing car. Um, when before he kills Sully and they crash the car, mm-hmm. you can see the car's all dented. But when he lifts it up off the ground and then they drive away in it, the car's fixed. That's okay. Yep. Uh, Bill Paxton is in this. Yeah. Um, his second of three appearances in an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. <laughs> what was the first one? Terminator. Oh, ter- I, I, I was, I realized what it was right after I said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, towards the end, there's two guys that come out of a building when they hear Matrix. Like I said, Dutch. I called them Dutch earlier. Dutch is yeah. his character name in uh, Predator. Matrix. Okay. <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that fucking John Hughes movie from last week. I was thinking of uh, Predator. Um. Yeah, when Matrix is shooting everyone, two guys run out of this building, and one of them got his shirt open. Mm-hmm. So, what were they doing in there? Did Matrix just kill two gay people? Is Matrix cancelled now? I don't know what to think. Anyway, I mean, gay people can be villains too. <laughs> they can. But, I mean, they were just having fun, and then they <laughs> run out of there and get shot. You know? They, they, mm-hmm. they, they weren't doing anything wrong. Anyway, uh, since we're continuing our Schwarzenegger season, Jen, we've extended it. It is uh, your turn to pick the next movie. So please, please speak in the gun, What's the next pick? You are not going to be happy. Oh, no. True Lies. Uh, uh, it's over two hours long. <laughs> it's been a long time oh, I hate since that. I saw it. And I love it, but 
I, I want an excuse to watch it. Well, you, don't need you knew this was a possibility. I know, but I was hoping for Kindergarten Cop because I actually enjoy that one. But True Lies is... True Lies... Oh, okay, fair enough. I'll see if I can find it because it's not really available here. On DVD and stuff, it's always edited. So I need to try and find an uncut version. Uh, so, okay, True Lies is next week. Uh, yeah, and Dylan's very excited to watch it with me. So, And he never watches the movies with me. Let us... Um, Look forward to that. In one week's time, we will be discussing True Lies. Uh, so that's all we have time for. Um, if you want to follow the podcast on Twitter, it's at DropThePilotPod. ShiftyBench.co.uk is the website. Contact at ShiftyBench.co.uk is um, the email address. Where can people follow you online, Jen? Um, I'm at Pilot Inspectors uh, on Twitter, and I have a Party of Five uh, rewatch podcast called Closer to Free. Excellent. So thank you all for listening and I'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.